100.7 FM WHIN 1010 AM presents Sumner County Spotlight, a weekly public affairs program each Sunday at 10 AM. Sumner County Spotlight, exclusively by FNM Bank. 221 Indian Lake Boulevard in Hendersonville. FNM Bank offers personal banking, business banking, and mortgage loans too. Right here in Hendersonville, FNM Bank is one of the top independent banks in Tennessee. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. MMLS number 518158. Here's your host for Sumner County Spotlights, Tony Richards. Good morning and welcome to Sumner County Spotlight this Sunday morning and every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock right here on WHIN. Brought to you exclusively by FM Bank at 221 Indian Lake Boulevard in Hendersonville and also at myfmbank.com. And our first guest this morning is Sam Kell. Sam is the director of the Hendersonville Performing Arts. At least I think I got that right, uh, title-wise. Uh, uh, well, at least directed The Hobbit there for sure, and he's also been a longtime actor. And good morning. How you doing, Sam? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for taking the time. Uh, we're doing Sam and I are doing a little social distancing uh, by about six and a half hours away. So that that ought to keep us safe, don't you think? <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely think that's keeping us the most safe we can that's, possibly be. We're super social distancing today. Well, um, thanks for spending some time on the program, Sam. Why don't you tell us just a little bit about yourself, and then we'll we'll get into everything that's going on at the Performing Arts Center or things that haven't gone on and, and what the future may hold. Yeah, yeah. So, uh Basically, I started doing theater um, way back in high school, and I uh, got roped in, and roped in isn't the right <laughs> word, but I started doing theater with uh, Hendersonville Performing Arts Company um, in the fall, I believe, of 2015, I think is what it was, 2015, mm-hmm. yeah. um, and my first production with them was uh, Les Mis on their, on their stage. After kind of doing theater with them and, and doing theater around Nashville area, I got a uh, kind of... Um, bug for it, I, I guess you would say, and I decided to change my major and end up going to college and getting my bachelor's uh, of fine arts and acting. Um, okay, and you went to then, Lipscomb, that's right, right? Yes, 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 I went to Lipscomb University. Um, I finished out my, my college career there. I started out at UT Knoxville as a chemical engineering major, but that didn't work out how I expected it to. So. Wow, there's, a, there's uh, an interesting dichotomy. Holy cow, that's oh, way that. different than acting. <laughs> It's very, very different, but, you know, I, I found the bug and I decided that, um, you know, uh, enjoying my work was more important than uh, having money that comes from my work. So Right. Well, you um, know what? You enjoy what you do, the money will come. Exactly, exactly. Um, but, yeah, and then so I, I got asked to direct The Hobbit this season for them, and I thought it might be fun. It's kind of like a homecoming for me, and mm-hmm. so I came back and directed the show, and, of course, it got interrupted by, you know, a small little... Um, Pandemic, so. Yeah, exactly. That happens all the time, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, of course, of course. Well, Sam, um, uh, yeah. so what, tell me about the directing part. Is, it, is this a full, first full-fledged production you, you have uh, directed on your own, or did you have some other directing experience as well? So I have directing experience. Um, this is my first production that I've kind of, as a whole, I, I, but I've directed in um, little 24-hour festivals. I've directed... Sorry about my dog barking at me. That's okay. Um, I directed in a, a play festivals and directed at school and stuff, but um, not a full production yet. And I had a lot of support from friends, family, and then the chair yeah. of the department over the college I went to, and um, so, kind of picked this on. And now so I've always here we wondered. Are. I've always wondered when you're directing like this, um, you know, from the actor's point of view, and then when you're directing, did you have sort of the vision in your head of what you wanted The Hobbit to look like and? how you wanted it to turn out uh, before you began uh, screening and looking for, for actors? Yeah, well, I, 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 it's always hard with shows um, like The Hobbit that are based solely in this huge fan fiction, fantasy world. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because people know these characters so well. People have read the books about these characters. People have studied these characters and their fan fiction and all this kind of stuff. So, so, there's um, a, we, so there's a certain expectation from the audience, you mean? Or? Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. And so... Me and my cast kind of had to find a middle ground there to where I could take some creative license um, and make it my own show versus making it just, you know, the average thing you see mm-hmm. um, whenever you just turn on The Hobbit or watch Lord of the Rings or something. So I decided to add a few different things in the show to make it my own. Mm-hmm. And so how was it going, and did you did it turn out the way you had hoped until all this began? Well, yeah, it was actually a very, very smooth production. Everybody was... Um, kind of hands-on and ready to help. We have a lot of, you know, a mixture between Hobbit fans. We have a mixture between people who have never even heard of the Hobbit before in our cast. So um, it was a really fun, really smooth production. And then 
right before we hit tech week when we started kind of getting into dress rehearsals and stuff, um, we got the news that we had to close up shop. So, um, we did, and we kind of were just on, um, the bench just kind of sitting back and watching as everything went down. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we got the news that we were going to be able to open back up again, um, it was really exciting for all of us, scary for all of us, but you know, it was, I feel that it was worth it. People need something. People need art. People need something to give them like a positive hope for what's to come rather than just like the all negative outlooks on everything being shut down. You know, isn't it funny how when bad things happen, people gravitate to the arts almost immediately and, and sports to some degree too, but arts is mm-hmm. uh, very healing. Don't you think? Mm-hmm. I, I, I definitely, definitely agree with that. It's, it's something that you got, you can get lost in and you don't have to feel um, like obligated to do, but it's something you can go and enjoy and not feel too, like you're putting much of yourself into it. You're just like witnessing it, which is really great. And it takes all the stress off of having to just think about what's happening in the real world. You can kind of you know, turn your brain off for a little bit. Right. And so this isn't uh, it for you. You said you, now you've, you've got a full-time job, I'm assuming, and then, then you do all this, <laughs> which is, you know, kind of full-time when the whole production's getting ready. Um, and, yeah. then, and then when it's on. So it's almost like you're pulling two full-time gigs now. What, what else are you doing? Uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm working at the Escape Game. Um, we're a company that's kind of all over um, the, the country right now, and um, we also had, were shut down and reopened with um, Phase 1, I believe, whenever everything opened back up. Um, so doing that and doing the show, it's been, it's been tough, but, you know, I have... I'm luckily, I luckily work at a job where they are very adamant on, you know, making, letting us pursue our goals mm-hmm. um, because they know that sometimes the escape game isn't the end for all of us. So, right. um, so uh, my, my plan is, and they all know this as well, is my plan is to eventually um, take some time in getting my master's. Um, eventually, I don't know exactly when that, that time is going to be, especially with everything going on, but I'm going back and getting a master's and hopefully directing and acting in bigger things than just the Nashville area. So you may not be long for Nashville, at least, in the next few years. Yeah, well, I have, I have a few things in, in, that are kind of in the works right now that I don't know. I don't want to speak into existence because I'm afraid that they right. won't pan yeah. out the way. Yeah, I don't I want, want to jinx it or anything. So, so if somebody's an actor and they want to grow and they want to take a chance, you know, it's not just about moving to L.A. or wherever right away. Um, don't you yeah. want to stay in this business and develop some relationships and, and do you have an agent mm-hmm. and you know, what, what are these up and comers, any recommendations? So, so, uh, my, my recommendation, honestly, and, um, this is, everybody always says, don't go to school, go to school, uh, get an education, don't get an education. But my thing is it's do whatever works for you. Cause I know friends that I think could move to New York right now and, uh, be Broadway stars. I also have friends who I think might need a little bit more training, might need some people to know, but. Um, acting, it's very, it's a very, like you were saying, it's making connections. It's mm-hmm. um, meeting people. It's learning these different trades. And if um, you can't teach yourself those and you can't learn those from other people, I always will say that some sort of education, whether it's classes or, you know, a full-fledged degree in acting, I think it's definitely worth it. I wouldn't trade my degree for anything else at this point. I, have, I had some incredible, incredible mentors, incredible teachers um, that made me the actor and director that I am today. And I, wouldn't be there without them. So, it, like I said, it, it's just up to the kind of the discretion of the actor or the uh, you know the artist um, on what they, how much they want to you know develop and if they think that the highest point they can be at, then I guess they don't need an education. But um, I, my my suggestion would yes be to flush out some some different jobs and get better at your craft and then maybe make one of those big moves. Well, I think maybe are people under the impression that um, you all of a sudden, after you work so many years and you're working hard and you've got some credits to uh, uh, on your resume that that you've arrived because uh, you know you're never really there in acting. It's a constant, evolving, living, breathing up and down and sideways kind of life, and mm-hmm. it's not like you can just wake up tomorrow morning and go, "Wow, I'm a really good actor." <laughs> yeah, it's it's, def- it's definitely not. It's- I always, I always tell people just as a kind of joke whenever they ask me what I do, I'm like, well, I'm, you know, a full-time waiter, but uh, a part-time actor, just because people always make the joke that actors don't make any money, and, and where, where that's probably true, it's, it's not even about the money at this point. It's kind of just like you keep finding shows. It's always, you're always looking for jobs, mm-hmm. never settled, unless you're working as like a casting agent or, or working as like an artistic director for a company. Other than that, you're always searching. You're always trying to find new things 
to do. Um, so it's kind of almost like a, I, I don't know, it's, it's just, it's kind of an exhilarating profession because you always are trying to find something new and you're always auditioning. Um, you're always putting yourself on the line trying to get these big roles. Well, especially when, uh, let's say you're doing a stage play and, and I've just got a very little experience at it, but when they say, well, you know, which one was your favorite? Well, you can't really just say it was when I was doing The Hobbit or when I was doing The Odd Couple or when I was doing this or that, because then you have to look at the individual performances. So I know I remember specific performances of this particular play that I was pretty happy with and others of the same play where I'm like, I wish that night wouldn't even even happened. Yeah, I, 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 and I love that about live theater as well because um, you can never see the same show um, ever, no matter if you go see it seven times in a row on Broadway or seven times in a row at HVAC. Um, you're always seeing a different show, and it's always new to you, and you need to take home something with you that somebody has never taken home, unless they're, of course, in the audience that day. But um, theater is just a very like inclusive, um, very right. different form of art. Uh, yeah, and, and the and audience plays a big part of it, doesn't it? Because, you know, you guys yeah. could all think, wow, we killed it tonight. And you got, you got sort of this dud of an audience that doesn't appreciate it. It's like, wow, we just did the best thing we've ever done. <laughs> and where were you guys? Were you even at the same performance? You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. There's, I, always, I always say that, I always tell my, like, cast or whenever I'm directing something, I always say, there's not a bad audience. There's There might be an unresponsive audience because I'm a, I'm a theater kid and I grew up in theater and I'm, mm-hmm. I, I don't laugh out loud. And that's just something that I've, I've never done in like mm-hmm. public uh, theater or anything like that. I just don't laugh loudly. And so whenever I tell people, I'm like, if you're not getting laughs, maybe they're just, you know, yeah. nose exhaled. Maybe they just sit there and they just, they chuckle themselves. But I think that doesn't mean you guys are failing. It just means they respond differently to this type of comedy. Right. Totally different night. Uh, who knows what they all came in from. They're here for exactly. an escape. That's for sure. Right. They're here for, for for something other than what they walked in with. It's like we, we're here for the exact opposite reason. But I think if people understood, you know, when you go to a show, you know, you really are a part of it. Um, you don't think you are and that you're just watching, but don't actors get that, you know, they, they get energy from the audience sometimes. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and people always think that when you're in the audience, you, you can't, nobody can see you and the, the, the actors are just kind of, you know, doing their thing and you're just a bystander there. But honestly, they, especially in like shows like these where there's up close, like at HVAC, they have a small theater. So you're up close and personal. So if you're sitting there and you're looking at, you know, your playbill or if you're like, you know, dozing off or looking somewhere else, like an, an actor will see that. And yeah. People just, people don't always understand that. And it's different than a movie. You can't, you know, check your phone because an actor will see you check your phone and then think, you know, I'm, and I'm not being as good as I, I can be tonight or right. something like that. Right. So is it the, the theater that you enjoy? What type of acting? Do you like being in front of a camera? Do you like uh, television? Do you like um, film? What, you know, do you, do you have any leanings? I mean, obviously, if you grew up in a theater, yeah. that's part of, part of who you are, I guess. But, you know, what about the other mediums? So, so I, I, I've, you know... Uh, acted across all the different mediums, but I, I think my favorite, yes, I would say, has, has to be live theater, just because I mentioned earlier the thrill of just and and the idea of always being able to mess up mm-hmm. and um, letting it happen. Because some of the, my favorite stories of uh, meeting theaters whenever I broke on stage, yep, and we, we broke character accidentally because we 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 lacked at something, and and audience members love that as well. Whereas you can't go to a movie, and I mean you can go to a movie and see a mistake, but it's not a mistake that was meant to be there. Do you, um, do you prep your actors for things like that? Because some actors can really pull it off um, and great improvising just to get out of the situation for whatever it is. Sound effect didn't work. Uh, other person didn't come on stage on time. Uh, whatever it is, versus yeah. the ones who freeze and like, oh, my God. Uh, and there's just this really awkward silence, and the audience feels very weird. Yeah, it's it's kind of hard just because... Like, like I said, we're dealing with some, because some actors that are in my show right now are people, there's, I have a couple who have never even acted before, people who are just, this is new to them, mm-hmm. and then I have people who are, you know, graduates um, from, you know, a theater department um, at some local college, or people right. who have been doing community theater their entire life. So I have all these different people, and I, I, I truly believe that at all moments of my show, there's somebody who could fix, or at least handle a, a uh, slip up in something, mm-hmm. um, such as like lines or audio, they, they would find something to do. And, um, I, I, I'm so you sort of mentally prep them. Look, these things are going to happen. Don't, 
you know, it just is. Is you're not going to have the perfect show ever, really, are you? And yeah, there won't. There is never a perfect show because if it's perfect for you, it's not perfect for somebody else. Right. Um, so there's there's never a perfect show, but and I, I encourage them to that because at this point in my job, I directed the show and it, I, I told them our opening night. I said, "This is y'all's show now. It's not mine anymore. Yeah. Um, it's your show. Uh, you have to claim it. If you guys mess up, you have to own that mess up, and you just have to fix it yourself because I can't do anything from where I'm at right now. It's right. just I can craft it. Um, but once it gets like, like I, it's almost like making a vase or like making some kind of like a pottery thing. I can craft it. I can shape it how I want it. But once it's in the store, I have no control over uh, right. what somebody does. Right. Okay. Well, we're talking uh, with Sam Kell. He is the uh, director of the Hendersonville Performing Arts Center. And we're uh, at our first break here, Sam. So we're going to come back and talk to you in just a little bit right after these messages. Okay. All righty. All right. We'll talk to you in just a second. Stay right here on WHIN. We'll be back with more of the program right after this. FNM Bank presents Sumner County Spotlights. Since 1906, FNM Bank has been serving Middle Tennessee with first-class products and services. Visit them today at 221 Indian Lake Boulevard in Hendersonville or myfmbank.com. Welcome back to Sumner County Spotlight this Sunday morning. We're on the phone today with Sam Kell. Sam is the uh, director of the Hendersonville Performing Arts Center. And Sam, we we were talking about just all the things that can happen during theater and, and live theater and everything that goes on um, and how people can improvise to to get through things um, and uh, the unexpected. And there's, you know, you can achieve or try to hit for perfection, but it's never always going to mm-hmm. happen. Um, so... You know, how do you, uh, do you do, obviously, group uh, uh, practices, uh, wrong word, auditions, and and all Mm -hmm. of these things, Um, but what about the individual, if you see somebody is uh, nervous or they just don't quite get this role, have you ever had to switch somebody when you just, they're trying, you know, but it's just not them, and maybe we just made a casting boo-boo, and then what do you do? Well, I, I, I luckily haven't ever been in that in that situation. I've been in I, I know of situations like that um, that have happened in the past. Um, and I think whenever you get something like that, I don't think it's ever I don't think it's ever you don't think somebody can do it. I think it might be something else along the lines of they don't either don't feel comfortable or they just they I, I would never kick a uh, character a person out of a role just because I don't think they can get there because mm-hmm. hopefully I would see that in my auditions and. That's, that's why we, we really try to do like a audition and have people audition and then call back. We get callbacks after that, which is bringing people in for certain roles, having them read scenes, having them do voices, especially for like the Hobbit stuff, having right. them do their voices and yeah. um, their mannerisms and stuff. That way we can kind of see the potential because hopefully at that point, it's, you know, this is the, this is the ground zero where you're at and we can grow you into what we want you to be. Right. So you, you see something in him, it's like, okay, I think this guy can pull this off. We just have to work with him a little better, her, and, and maybe we can make it happen. For, for example, we have a, a character uh, really well-known in The Hobbit and uh, Tolkien series named as Gollum. Um, it's just a sea, underwater, like weird creature mm-hmm. person um, that we, in our brains, like, this is going to be so hard to cast. And then we had um, this girl come in, in, which the character in the original book is uh, a male character. Mm-hmm. And then she came in and she blew us away with how she read, um, how she like acted, how she was kind of crawling around. And it was brilliant. And I, I kind of went to my assistant director afterwards and I, I was like, I can't think of somebody else I would cast in this role. Like even, even if we had, you know, a, a, a guy that we, we could have right. in that role, but I don't even mind switching genders of the roles just for the sake of having this girl read for this character. She just took, took it, it was, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's cool. So, okay, so this uh, this COVID thing happens, puts a halt to the production. Um, what, so how has it affected the Hendersonville Performing Arts Center? Tell us about how we're doing and how you're holding up and, and what's going on with the the venue and, and uh, everyone that's there. Well, um, surprisingly, we, we haven't got as much, you know, uh, pushback as we, we thought we would. When we first opened, we were like, we're probably going to do some tickets. We'll probably have some, some low house. Um, some low-selling houses, and and that's that's kind of how things work when you do things like this. But um, last weekend, we except for our Saturday matinee show, yeah, our Saturday matinee, we sold out every single show last weekend, um, which would have been, I guess, yes, yeah, last weekend whenever this is mm-hmm. airing. But um, uh, so we we sold out both of our houses, and we were like, this is interesting. Which uh, whenever I say sold out, we have implemented social distancing. And right. eating. So buy a, but you had you had said something off. when we first started about you know just people are ready for something, aren't they? 
Yeah, people are ready, and, and they don't even mind because we've, we've implemented, we, we do temperature checks as people walk through the door, and we're suggesting and, and highly um, suggesting that people wear masks. Mm-hmm. And, um, we're being safe with cleaning procedures and stuff afterwards, but people honestly don't care. They, they just want to get out and do something. They want to you know, be a part of something that's not their home and their TV. Okay, so what? Uh, let's talk about between now and the end of the year, what's, what's on tap? What do you guys have that you can talk about or things that you'd love to see? Yeah, um, well, uh, I, I will I mean, I, they did arm me, I'm, although I, I won't be directing any of these. Um, I, I, they did arm me with their next year's season. I'm not sure if you wanted to do that right now or... Sure, or that's you, fine. Whatever you want to go into, we're, we're listening. We got, we're all ears. We're, we want to start putting things on our calendars, you know? <laughs> oh, great, great. Yeah, so, so they have um, four of their shows they're planning to announce right now. Um, the four shows that they are announcing right now is A Christmas Story, the musical. Oh, boy. Um, yeah, yeah, it's a great show. Is the there a uh, Put Your Eye Out song somewhere in there? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not super familiar with that show. But, <laughs> okay. Uh, and then uh, there's The Nerd after that, and then The Sound of Music, which is very, very well-known song oh, yeah. music. Um, and then they are actually bringing an original piece, um, making it to world premiere. It's called Our Miss Barrett. Okay. And those, those are the four they've announced. At, at so a couple time. of musicals, and and the sound of music is not exactly a small cast. Oh no, it is not. That they they always they always bring in a kind of a big show. They did they did um, Little Shop of Horrors this year, and they were going to do Little Women, which are two very 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 well known shows. So um, those, but they they always bring in some kind of like a big hitter. Sound of music, I think, is what they're bringing in this year. I see, and so. Let's talk about the experienced actors in the area and the ones that, uh, you know, work occasionally and then the ones that are terrified to even reach out, but they've always wanted to try it. What, what is yeah. a person that has never done it that, like you said, you've got a couple right now that had not had any act experience. Doesn't the Hendersonville Performing Arts Center welcome that? I mean, we want more people to be involved in the arts. Yeah. And by, the, and, and by the way, this doesn't always have to be on stage, right? I mean, there's yeah. so many things to do behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. I, I I can't tell you the number of hours we spent just building costumes and building and painting our set. Um, it's not even just the acting, but even even the acting we encourage because it's a community theater. And if acting was you know a passion of yours that you never got to pursue, I mean, why not come in at least audition? I'm it's not going to hurt you, and I mean, it might if you don't get cast, it might you know hurt your pride. But if they talk to you and said, look, just you know, and you can give them a little. A little part, you know, just let's just see how exactly. you, yeah, you know, yeah. there's something for everyone, isn't there? Yes, of course, They're, especially with our big shows when we just have these big ensemble pieces. I mean, that's how, that's how you get um, your foot in the door. You kind of just put, you kind of just do it. And then once they see you, because obviously with most theaters and with most companies, I, I mean, production companies, the, people are always nervous to cast you as a big role whenever they see you for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're always kind of like hesitant. So once you kind of get your foot in the door and you meet people and, um, same thing we were talking about earlier with connections. You meet them, and then they're, you know, being like, "Okay, well, now I know you. Now I trust you to put you in this role with this big, with all these lines, with this you know, right. big songs." And you know, you wonder, even though yes, you charge admission. Okay, we all have to, you know, keep the theater going and everything. But there is a gift um, that you give as an actor um, that that you receive back from the audience that is kind of hard to describe, mm-hmm. isn't it? I mean, it's so yes, it it's is. so amazing. <laughs> and any anybody who's ever anybody who has ever acted in the show and not been paid for it, they know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, because um, people always sit there and like you're acting in these shows, you, you're not you're just volunteering your time, you're not getting paid. And it's like yes, but we're getting paid because we really enjoy the reaction we're getting. Obviously, paid is always a plus, but you know. I, if, but if there is a, there is such yeah. a huge payment non cash compensation that is really hard to describe exactly. for anybody. It's, it's so very very hard to describe. Yeah, and if you and if you have an inkling, you know they need they need to get a hold of you or the the center itself, right? So how would folks uh, contact you? Maybe get familiar with the website and and the calendar of events and different things that you have coming up. What do they do? Yeah, so if you just log on to hpactn, so h p a c t n dot com, um, it has all of our auditions coming up soon. It has the mailing list, and then it has the tickets available. It has pictures from past productions. Uh, it has everything for them to kind of get to know. And if they if they have more questions and they they don't you know necessarily still understand, um, there's a phone number on the website, and there's not people at that at that 
face all the time, but right. um, they can always email or you know shoot a phone call if they if they um, want to and talk to somebody that's there. And if I'm there, obviously I'd pick up the phone and talk to anybody about how to get involved or how they if they want to get involved. Well, especially, you know, I, I do want to push a little bit the non-acting roles that, that happen, whether it's audio or sound or lighting or set building. You know, if you're uh, if you just are really good with working with wood or with metal or with uh, electricity or things that and you just enjoy it and you really want to um, sort of let loose with your artistic part a little bit. Um, exactly. It's a great place to scratch that itch, and if if it's like every other theater place, I'm assuming you can use help in those areas all the time. I mean, oh yes, of course. So, for example, like I I programmed and I designed the lights for um, our show, um, but all I'm doing for the um, all I'm doing for the show once I've designed it now is really pressing play button just whenever these cues come, and having somebody who can do that would save me so much so much time. So having people that always um, been always around and people mm-hmm. that can help with volunteering so like that is is great like for example we had a guy in greg who took our production photos who just stumbled across our theater and asked if he could take some pictures of our show and i yeah, said yeah there you go and that helps sell future tickets you know exactly exactly so yeah the, all of those different talented things uh would be welcome and i think uh you know this is all about Sumner County and using the talents of the people that live and work around here. And, you know, someone once told me, maybe, I don't know if you can verify this, but they said it's, it's about the experience. It's, it's not just going and sitting down and watching. It's how you're greeted, the way the atmosphere is, uh, what the lighting is, how the sets look. It's, it's sort of this all-encompassing, you know, meeting the actors afterwards, maybe beforehand talking to a few of them. Yes, it is definitely. And, Sadly, which is that's one of my favorite parts about doing and coming to see shows here is you get to communicate with these actors afterwards. But sadly, because of our, our show and all these you know surrounding stuff, we haven't got to do that. Um, so we've kind of we've we, we've kind of been receiving a little bit more emails like saying, "Hey, we really enjoyed your show," because they didn't get a chance to tell us afterwards because they had right. to, you know. Read. But normally, and what we will hopefully go back to doing is having those actors after after shows standing out there and talking to the, anybody who wants to ask some questions or you know, congratulate them or thank them or anything like that. Absolutely. And I can't wait for those days till we get back to normal. I'm sure you feel the same. I can do the same, yes. Well, is there any, uh, as we wrap up here with our segment, is there anything else that you want to make sure people know about the uh, Hendersonville uh, Performing Arts Center and uh, and everything else that you got going on? Or did we, did we cover it okay? I, I think we covered it pretty okay. But I do will say that they, they do have a production of uh, You're in Town, uh, the musical, um, interesting name, but it's a great musical. Um, and then a production of Our Town. Um, it's just a play. They're very similar titles, but mm-hmm. um, they're coming up later in a, in a couple weeks. I'm not sure exactly when they do go up, but they are part of a uh, the camp, like the, the enrichment programs they have going on there. So right. um, okay. they are on those shows. Wonderful. Well, Sam, we appreciate you spending some time with us today and letting folks know about the Hendersonville Performing Arts, what's going on after, you know, post-pandemic, hopefully. I know we're not all the way past it, but we're back in business and things are starting to happen again. So congratulations. Uh, Thank you so much. All right. That's Sam Kell, the uh, director of the Hendersonville Performing Arts Center. We appreciate him spending time with us. And we're going to come back with guest number two right after these messages right here on WHIN, 1010 AM and 100.7 FM. FNM Bank presents Sumner County Spotlights. Since 1906, FNM Bank has been serving Middle Tennessee with first-class products and services. Visit them today at 221 Indian Lake Boulevard in Hendersonville or myfmbank.com. Good morning and welcome back to Sumner County Spotlight on this Sunday morning on WHIN, brought to you by FNM Bank at 221 Indian Lake Boulevard and at myfmbank.com. And our second guest this morning, we're glad to have Greg Miller on the phone. Greg is with the Sumner County EMS. He is the chief of the Sumner County EMS. And Greg, good morning and welcome to the program. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Well, we're glad you're here. And, uh, you know, to say the, the last six months has been interesting would be an understatement. But, you know, in your job... Uh, you've had some really challenging things to deal with over the last, I'd say, year or so. Yeah, absolutely. There's never a dull day in the emergency services. And another thing that we say is you'll never see the same thing twice in this 
Well, well, more, that's for sure. It's almost like that. What is that uh, insurance thing? We've seen a thing or two, and we've, <laughs> you know, because you've dealt with it all. I'm sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's one of those weird things, yet sort of scary. That you know, when the phone rings, you don't know what you're going to be kind of running into. But we'll, we'll kind of get into that a little bit. But I'd like to just get to know you a little bit, Greg, and and uh, what you've done, where you're from, and and how you ended up uh, at the Sumner County EMS. Perfect. Perfect. Um, I am. A Tennessean was born and raised in East Tennessee, and uh, I learned very early on that I wanted to do emergency medical services, that I wanted to do health care, and I wanted to help people. So really? So you, you knew that pretty early, huh? Not a lot of people know that. You know what? Uh, to, to really get into it, I was uh, very young. I was probably uh, 17, 18 years old and was doing what a lot of 17, 18-year-olds do. I was going to high school, and I was working at a grocery store. Back then, we had people who bagged your groceries. You remember those days? Oh, yeah, I did the same thing. And that was me. So um, a very good friend of mine who worked there with me, he, um, unfortunately, he drowned in a quarry while fishing. Oh, my. And I sat on the banks of the, the quarry for a couple of days, and I watched people... Um, dive for him and and uh, sit there with the family and the, the, how it uh, how it affected him and really must have affected you, huh? It did. I, I watched all the rescue services do their job, and I thought, you know what this this is what I need to be doing. These people took time away from their families to go help someone that they didn't know, and uh, that very next week I enrolled in in classes to start learning uh, emergency medical technician and. Wow. Okay. You didn't waste any time then because, you know, there's some people that it's just not their cup of tea to, you know, to dive right in. I mean, we can all think back on those, you know, horrific events where you just see this heroism come out of the blue. Um, and it just, it kind of must just be a part of you, huh? Yeah. And I believe it has to be because there's, you know, you see a lot of stuff, you see stuff that that we weren't intended to see and, and it, it takes someone with the ability to deal with that, uh, to be able to handle it. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of people every day that decide to go into healthcare for a living. We so appreciate it. But um, Okay, so you it, did that it, after high school. You started learning about it. And then and, and was that sort of guiding your path? Did you end up going to school, or did you want to dive right into this? I started volunteering, and then I went to school and um, began to obtain my certifications through college. Um, an EMT and then a paramedic and then started working as a paramedic on an ambulance in Jefferson County. And I did that for Oops, several sorry, years. Me. My phone, my bad. <laughs> Go ahead. My phone rang. <laughs> um, I went to work as a paramedic in Jefferson County in East Tennessee and rose up through the ranks there over the next uh, few years. And, I eventually left there and went to Walter State Community College in Morristown, Tennessee, and was the uh, professor of the paramedic program, uh, and I got to teach other oh. people to be paramedic okay. in years. Yeah. So of the, you know, there's lots of different ways people can participate uh, if they choose this as a profession. Um, what was, what did you find yourself gravitating toward? Did you like working in ambulance? Did you, did you know, what, what part of the emergency services field did you enjoy? Well, that's interesting that you asked me that question because I guess I'm that square peg in the round hole. <laughs> um, I was doing it all. So I was working as a, a firefighter, and I was working on the ambulance as a paramedic, and then I was helping with the sheriff's department. And, and see, and that's why you're chief. See what happens when you yeah. <laughs> when you do it all? But guess what? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, even, I even dispatched some. So uh, it definitely makes you well-rounded. Yeah, well, you know, that. don't you find that pretty helpful? Are you glad you did all of that? Oh, I'm so glad because the experiences that you obtain from each avenue of public safety, um, there's a direct correlation to the other side, and it helps. There's no question. I mean, sitting in the dispatcher's chair, how do you really know what they're dealing with unless you do it? Amen. And they, um, that, was, that was probably one of the hardest things that I did because I'm, I'm a type A, you know, hands-on type of guy, and it's very difficult to sit in that dispatcher's chair and hear those cries for help, but not be able to jump out there and help yourself. You just got to yeah. make sure everyone else is on their way. 
Well, you're you're talking to folks when they're at their most vulnerable. You're trying to assess this thing, um, sort of. You, you've, it's almost like you got to have a theater of the mind if you can kind of walk through what they're dealing with at the moment, right? Absolutely. Um, you've got to be the voice of reason and try to keep them calm in order to get all the accurate information, in order to get the appropriate people there. Mm-hmm. And you know, you're having to close your eyes and imagine what they're seeing and what they're doing in order to make the right calls. Um, Do you think, just looking into the future, this may be a little kind of a weird question, but with all the technology going on and uh, these video chats and, and, uh, and all of that stuff, do you think that'll ever come into play in an emergency service situation where it, where it could, I guess it could be a, a help and a hindrance, um, but do you ever see that you know, come into fruition in, in as far as dispatching and, and actually seeing something? Oh, absolutely I do with... Um all of the with the platforms now of video chatting and Zoom and, and things like that, um, you know, we didn't have that technology years ago, and it was a struggle just for people. Uh, you know, everyone had roto-dial phones, and they were hung on the wall, and yeah. now no one had phones, right. and they got cell phones. Right. And, and if they were too hysterical, you had to trace it so you could figure out where they were because you can't pull it out of them or have them give the phone to someone else or, or whatever. Absolutely. So I see that uh, that technology will will be paramount in emergency dispatching very soon. Wouldn't that be cool? But I, I think, you know, it would have to be a sort of uh, um, system, a, 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 a pre-made system that works so that, you know, you don't get this hodgepodge of video stuff thrown together, I would think. Yeah, I agree. There's, there's too many uh, proprietary systems, and you'd never be able to get everybody to have the same brand of phone or download the same app, it would have to be some unique proprietary system to the number one center that tapped that in. Yeah. Well, um, so speaking of technology a little bit, since we're sort of diving into that a little bit, um, Sumner County invested pretty heavily in some digital uh, communication stuff, and how's all that gone? I think we've had it a year or so now, and how, how is that working, and are you happy with the investment? Well, the, the purchase has been made for about a year now, and... Um, Ken Wagner with the Emergency Management Agency, him and his staff have done a wonderful job of uh, basically assembling this new communication system piece by piece. So they've been building the infrastructure for the mm-hmm. past years. There's mm-hmm. been new, new towers, radio towers going up across the county. Right. And those have to have generator backups and things like that. Mm-hmm. The actual radio system, uh, the actual handheld hardware and all of that will be coming online um, hopefully later in, in July, early into August. Okay. Um, that did uh, did very, the pandemic we, delay uh, a little bit of everything? It did, just simply shipping and getting stuff in here and people being able to travel to get the appropriate training to, to be ready to flip the switch, yes. It's delayed everything. So, you know, there's some huge upsides for digital, as everybody knows. But, you know, if you're an old guy like me, Analog, you know what? It's antiquated, but it works every single time. How do you how do you build out a digital system and then, like you said, have the backup systems to make sure you you can always communicate? Well, m- most services are going to be able to maintain their analog system in the event of a digital failure. Mm-hmm. But this this system was designed with uh, that in mind and there's going to be enough redundancy in the placement of the towers to where it should, we'll actually have a much better communication system when it's online than we have right now, and it'll eliminate dead spots. I'm sure everybody's looking forward to that. Boy, oh boy. It's been a long time coming. Yes, sir. It'll be very helpful. Yeah. Okay, so tell us uh, some of the challenges that, that you've had to deal with. There, there were so many weird, uh, you know, unexpected things with, you know, fallen officers and, and hit and runs, and uh, you know, there's just there's, it's just been weird the last year or two um, in Sumner County, in particular. It seems, or is it me? No, it's not you. Um, the I heard someone say the other day the movie rights to the year 2020 uh, would be something interesting, but um, yeah. it, it's been that unique. Uh, it's just been wave after wave after wave of unique things like you know this is the first pandemic global pandemic that the country has seen in over a hundred years and that has been very challenging on the healthcare community 
um, the people that are, are responding out and taking care of them, and I'm sure the listeners, uh, it's, it's affected everyone in one way or another. Um, well, and we, don't, uh, and we don't want our audience to think that you guys don't train for these things. I mean, you train for isolation units. You train for hazmat stuff. You train for... But, you know, it's not... There, there's a certain amount of improvisation that has to go with what you're dealing with at the moment. It doesn't... Not everything comes down, like, by the book, right? Absolutely. And then there's no book for this. Yeah. Um, so uh, what we thought we would see, uh, this has far exceeded it. And... Uh, the fact that it shut everything down. And our biggest challenge for that was personal protective equipment, what we call PPE. Mm-hmm. How, did we, uh, how did we do on that? I mean, we had, it's, it's my understanding, we, we had, you know, some stuff better than others and maybe not so good uh, in other areas, of, whether it's masks or whatever. We were in very good shape. We had a, we had a good supply here within Sumner County. The state had a supply, and then you got the what's called the SNF, the Strategic National Stockpile with the federal government. But heck, did somebody know where this stuff was? It's not like we were using it every day. <laughs> right, yeah, so it applied up. But you know what? This thing got so big so fast that we depleted all of that, and then everybody was trying to order it at the same time, and then it mm-hmm. became unavailable. Did that change the way you might uh, deal with that in the future because of that? Because there was just, well, everybody was trying to smile and dial and get on the phone and get what they could get instead of like a coordinated thing? Did that help you guys figure, okay, if this happens again, this is how we're going to handle it? It did. And we, we had a, a meeting in here about 3 a.m. Uh, March 27th. And we were, you know, in the middle of evacuating a nursing home. Right. And we were PPE challenges. And uh, myself and the command staff, we said, okay, we're going to, we're going to roll the dice here. And we purchased a, upgrade a larger um, PPE for respiratory protection right. above an N95 mask, but it's a reusable mask. Right. Um, well, and it's not like, uh, you know, we know that these COVID things are respiratory related. So you clearly have looked out and said, well, even if there are new strains or new uh, or a second wave or a third wave or whatever, you know, it's probably likely these are going to be in that uh, respiratory area. Correct, and so we we got PPE on the respiratory side that was uh, a little more robust, and it was reusable, so therefore we didn't have to fight everyone else and try to purchase it uh, every weekend when we ran out. I see. Um, okay, so we're, we're up against our first break here, uh, Greg. We're going to come back and talk with Greg Miller some more, the chief of the Sumner County EMS. Um, and we've kind of talked about the pandemic thing. Um, we're still looking forward to that first show, and I don't have to talk about the pandemic at all. However, um, you know, let's talk about how all of this, uh, not just the pandemic, but the sort of, uh, we've had, we had a little string of multiple tragedies and bad things that kind of happened, and you guys are the first ones there to deal with these things. But, um, I wonder how that's affected the community recruitment for you guys. I would imagine there's some people that dealt, uh, that thought, geez, I wasn't really going to get into healthcare and emergency services, but now watching what's happened, did it inspire some people to maybe reach out to you and, and, uh, try to maybe get into that field? I wish I could say yes. I think the exact opposite has happened. Boy, you know, uh, this would be an opportunity. It seems to me for those who really want to help. It, it definitely would be. Um, you know, this profession has been all I've known in my adult life, and it's a great profession. And if there's anyone listening in our audience today that, you know, you're, it doesn't, you don't have to be a, a, a college-age person. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're sitting there and you're thinking, I want to do something different with my life, uh, emergency medical technician program and paramedic program and, and working for your local emergency medical services is well, I think, we're a very talking about a life changing kind of a thing here. You know, you really I, are. You know, it is it, it is uh, surgery. You're 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 helping people. Not you know, you're not a disc jockey like like us. But you know, you do make a difference in your community, and uh, it's it's like you said, very rewarding. It it is very rewarding, and it's challenging. Uh, and if if you don't like being stuck in an office and you want to be in a, yeah. a rolling ambulance that is your office that, you know, this is one of those unique jobs that you cannot do everywhere. But going back to your question that you asked me, there's 
there's a lot of people that are like, mm, I don't know if this is for me. There's a national shortage right now for paramedics. And uh, are you, are you listening, folks? Listen up, folks. <laughs> Hear what he's saying, folks. They could use you, right, Greg? Absolutely, we could use you. And and talk about job security. Yeah, um, yeah. This really. is one profession that you don't have to worry about being automated and taken over by uh, robots or something like that. They're always going to need a hand to reach down and help somebody when they're in need. That's right. Well, that's a good way to finish our first segment. We're going to come back and talk more with uh, Greg Miller, the Sumner County EMS chief, right after these messages here on Sumner County Spotlight. Thanks for joining us this morning, and we'll be right back. FNM Bank presents Sumner County Spotlights. Since 1906, FNM Bank has been serving Middle Tennessee with first-class products and services. Visit them today at 221 Indian Lake Boulevard in Hendersonville or myfmbank.com. Back on Sumner County Spotlight this Sunday morning on WHIN, brought to you by FNM Bank, and we're on the phone with Sumner County EMS Chief Greg Miller. Greg, enjoying the chat this morning, and uh, you know you're doing really, really important work as uh, you know as well as all the other public safety. And, and like you said, it's a little, it's such a tumultuous time to be in this because you know yes, there's police maybe in fire on this very front line dealing with some volatile situations, but guess who's right there, right behind them, next in is the people that are going to take care of the people that are hurt or something that that's happened. And that's you guys. Absolutely. So, you know, you're dealing with a situation that you've never dealt with before, or you don't know what you're going to walk in on. Um, was watching a baseball game over the weekend. Kid got in a collision with another player, broke his leg. We're not just talking a break here. We're talking three different places. You know, and I think about these guys coming up. It's like, all right. There is a certain amount of improvisation that has to come along with how to comfortably, you know, help these people, you know, assess what there are, triage kind of a thing. And can you walk us through all that and how you can even prepare for something you may not have expected when you got there? Absolutely. The, the training for EMTs and paramedics is very extensive. Uh, it's very accelerated. And they go through a, a lot of situational scenarios for what to do when this happens, what to do when that happens. But as you said earlier, everything's not black and white and everything's not in a textbook. So they have to improvise at times. And well, let alone because you're going, sometimes you're, you're going to find people in, in unique positions with unique injuries and you've got to do your best to, to take care of that patient and minimize their pain and everything else. So, uh, they practice this a lot, and, they, and these, these EMTs and paramedics today are amazing what they're able to do with patients. Don't you, in today's climate, at least in certain situations, while you're administering to somebody, don't you have to watch your own back? <laughs> I mean, it's crazy, but I would imagine there's you're trying to concentrate when you know it's a little weird around you. Yeah, it it's unique that you have to. Um, we're in, a, in volatile times, in, in which you have to. One person dedicates themselves to taking care of the patient while the other one is keeping their eye on the scene and making sure no one else that's intending to do harm is going to come up and further hurt the patient. or Right. Uh, Unintentionally sometimes, right? Um, Absolutely. Yeah, and then do they also have to be communicating to the hospital so that they know what they could be? I mean, you've got lots of different jobs really, really quickly. Yes, they're in communication with the hospital and they're in communication with the emergency room physician. They're talking to the oh, physician. Really? They're basically painting a picture to the physician of what's going on with the patient. Oh. Sometimes he'll give further orders for them to do. We can do minor surgical procedures in the field. He'll tell them certain pharmaceutical agents and drugs to give to the patient just to help their condition as we continue to roll towards the hospital. So it's a, it's a constant dynamic process to help them. So I don't want people to think that if, if they've never rode in an ambulance, it's not just a mode of transportation. It's a it's a rolling intensive care unit, and you've got two very highly trained uh, health care providers there taking care of them. Yes, and having been hauled out in an ambulance before out of a Zaxby's in Sumner County, <laughs> wasn't one of my most uh, famous moments, but uh, it wasn't just the two there at EMS helping. Uh, it's amazing how well you guys all work together. Yes, it truly is a, a, an emergency medical system, which includes the law enforcement and the uh, responders from the fire department. Yes. And... The personnel from EMS uh, and the EMS supervisors that respond out in supervisor vehicles to help. That was my so experience. It, you know, there were like six guys. I'm like, where'd you guys all get? I know there were a couple of fire, there were police, there were EMS, you know, so it was crazy. 
and they're they're all there to help you when the call comes out. Boy, and I'll say, uh, firsthand experience, they sure did. So, okay, Greg, uh, can you tell us about, you know, we've got pretty big responsibility of all of Sumner County here. You know, can you tell us about the size of EMS, how you guys are doing, and how many uh, ambulances you have and, and everything? I think it's hard for people to understand, you know, how big everything is. Yeah, Sumner County is a very large county. Uh, over 500 square miles, and, you know, we're approaching 200,000 in population, so it takes a large emergency medical service to be able to cover that. Mm-hmm. So uh, we have about 140 total employees, which means that uh, you've got 12, sometimes 13 ambulances uh, that are serving around the clock, 24 hours, seven days a week, and then we have five basic life support ambulances that are taking people to their non-emergency doctor's appointments and and their wound cares and things like that. Oh, to, I didn't know if people thought take, that knew that existed. Yeah, and it does, and that's mainly so we can keep the advanced life support ambulances available for emergencies and not tie them up. Gotcha. Understand. Do you know pretty well, uh, you know, if something big happens, unexpected, and we've got 12, 13, somewhere in that range, and you know you're going to need more help, uh, what do you guys do? Do you coordinate with other counties in the area? We do. Actually, the state has a very good mutual aid program. So we will reach out to the Regional Medical Communications Center out at Vanderbilt, and all we'll do is say, hey, we have got a major event going on in Sumner County, and if, if we needed 50 ambulances in addition to what we had, those guys down there will coordinate those efforts, and they'll call us back in a few minutes and tell us that they've got 50 ambulances coming to us. And, wow. And they'd be coming from Cheatham County and Robertson really? County. And so you could Robertson get that County. many if you needed them. We can get that many at the drop of a hat. In fact, um, the night that we had to evacuate the nursing home due yeah. to the COVID-19, yeah. uh, we, we needed to do that as swiftly as possible, and we reached out and asked for help because it would have taken a long time for us to empty out a nursing home. Right. We, we activated that, and the state EMS helped us, and we had 52 ambulances from throughout the Middle Tennessee region here within about two hours. That is amazing. And then, of course, you worry about your staff, I'm assuming, because you have to protect them as well. Absolutely, you got to protect them, and then they're going to be worried about going home and carrying something to their small children, or maybe they're taking care of an elderly parent. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just continues to a cycle. Well, so give us your sort of thirty thousand foot view of uh, Sumner County EMS. How you're doing? Are we growing? Or, or uh, how is the equipment? Are we? Are you happy with uh, what you have at your disposal right now? And need what you have? What you need to get the job done? You know, I'm so impressed with Sumner County EMS, and I'm, I'm just blessed to be a part of this organization. Got some of the hardest working men and women out here um, on these ambulances that are running these calls that are taking care of the, this community as a whole. And Sumner County should be proud of their EMS agency. The county government, uh, the commissioners, and everyone have been a great support. Um, they are able to give us the budget to purchase the ambulances and purchase the cardiac monitors because anything in healthcare is not cheap. I was just going to say, I don't know if people understand how expensive ambulances are. It's not a box truck. (laughs) No, it's not a box truck. A a fully stocked ambulance for us, you know, you're looking at $175,000 to to Um, $190,000. And the way they get used around here, you may get six or seven years of life out of them. Uh, at that rate, uh, a cardiac monitor alone is about $35,000. Man, oh, man. So it's very expensive, but, but we're so lucky that we've got a county government and a set of commissioners that uh, realize the importance of having a strong EMS system to take care of, of its people. Greg, That's what it's about. Greg, if somebody wants to get into that field, can you tell us some of the areas? You know, it's not just about driving an ambulance. I mean, the ambulance has to be maintained. There's there's lots of things people can do to contribute to the system, correct? There is, uh, and it's the same way with, with all of public safety, and a lot of people get their start in it by being becoming a volunteer firefighter, mm-hmm. or they come here to EMS and they just want a tour because maybe they've never seen how an EMS system works and see how dispatch works. 
just to see if it's something. And we've even had an opportunity. We can't do it right now because of the pandemic. But when when everything is is to a a normal status, we allow people to ride as an observation just to see what's going on mm-hmm. with with EMS. Um, and you know, we go out and, and talk to our high school graduates and our local college graduates and, and basically do job fairs to let them know that there's, there's tiers. You don't have to go all the way up to the highest level, which is paramedic. You can do the, the lower tiered level, which is emergency medical technician. And they, they can do a lot of the basic stuff. They just can't do a lot of the procedures and administer the medication. So, um, right. It, it's, it's not as demanding. Yeah, but there's all the different training levels that you guys can uh, direct them toward, correct? Yeah, there are the training levels, and, you know, there are people who may not want to handle all of the emergencies. Mm-hmm. And for those people, if they want something that's a little slower-paced and... Um, not as intense, to, maybe auto accidents and things that are can, can be really correct. challenging. Yeah. And we, we have that basic life support, the BLS division, where uh, you get to take the elderly patients to their doctor's appointments and things like that. And that is really more of a personalized care. You get to spend some time with them and talk to them. And, and, right. uh, but it's all necessary. I mean, somebody's got to look out for these folks. Absolutely, it's necessary, and, and we're thankful that we can be able to provide that service to our yeah, I, I think that's really cool. I'm not sure a lot of folks knew that, that you guys did offer that. Greg, how long have you been chief, and, and uh, how long do you think you'll be doing this kind of thing? Well, I've been chief here for almost two years. Um, and, again, I came uh, from East Tennessee and had an opportunity to come down here. Uh, the previous chief, Keith Douglas, had retired, and um, a couple of people that had that reached out to me because I'd been down in the area teaching some classes and uh, let me know that it was open. So I was excited to come into this area. I always loved this area. And now that I live here, I love it even more. Um, so, you know, I hope to be here for a good long while until it's uh, time for me to me and my wife to, to go travel or something. Well, I tell you what, Greg, it's been an interesting two years. Your timing is interesting because it has been one wild ride. We, we're kind of hoping things calm down a little bit. Absolutely, and I just want everybody to know I didn't bring all this with That's me. right. We're beginning to wonder, Greg. Jiminy, <laughs> Christmas. Well, we appreciate what you've done. You've got a, I tell you, a really, really tough job. It's You've done yeoman's work. I, I don't know of anyone that's had a, a bad experience. And, again, having experienced the Sumner County EMS personally, which I wouldn't recommend to anybody if you don't have to, but, boy, um, it is a well-oiled machine. Uh, your your folks are very, very well-trained, um, and the coordination with everybody was uh, top-notch. You know, luckily mine wasn't a life-threatening thing, but it sure scared the you-know-what out of me. So I'll tell you, we appreciate it on, on behalf of thank all of you, our sir. listeners and everybody that's in Sumner County. So thank you for, for giving us a little inside scoop. Absolutely, and thank you so much. I appreciate it for the opportunity just to... Uh, be on your program and, and talk to your listeners and and while we've got their attention just for a second sure absolutely you know, go ahead time is so critical in an emergency and whether someone's choking or possibly having a heart attack or whatever it may be um i just can't express to you how important it is for them to have visible house numbers there's even with GPS, as good as it is, yeah. nothing replaces a good number on a mailbox or a good number on someone's front porch. And have that somebody it, out there, you know, because they're so worried about the patient, maybe they forgot, look, somebody needs to be out there to tell them where to go. Yes, absolutely. If there's someone at home that you can send out to flag the crews down that are responding in the ambulance, and, you know, if you've got some good reflective numbers on your mailbox or mm-hmm. some contrasting color numbers on the front of your house. Um, you know, it's it's hard for us to see, especially at night, especially during inclement weather. Yeah. That any, anything that's going to pop that set it out that we can find you, that shaves valuable minutes and seconds off of our response that we can be taking care of them. And that very first critical hour, it's not something you just read about. It's actually true, right, every minute. That golden hour is in the curriculum from the very first EMT class that these people take. And that's not from the time that they are injured or ill until the ambulance gets there. That's from the time that they're injured or ill 
until the time we get them to surgery or to the hospital. Yeah. So there's a lot that's got to take place, and we try to shave every minute of that off as we can to get them to the hospital uh, and get them taken care of. Yeah. Well, and we're coming up on the 4th of July, so I'm sure there's a few, uh, as we wrap up, a couple of safety tips. You know, people have been in their houses for three or four months. I, you know, who knows what's going to happen on Independence Day, but uh, a few things that you might want to remind them uh, to do for firework safety as well. Definitely firework safety. Um, eye protection is key. Make sure you have that distance there. Uh, have a garden hose handy because uh, even though we had a very wet spring, the last couple of weeks have been a little dry. Yep. So I don't want people to think that we are totally exempt from little brush fires and grass fires starting up because we're not. Um, make sure that any firework use is supervised and handled by an adult. And then, you know, let's enjoy it. it. We've had a very rough spring and with this pandemic, and let's not compound uh, a, a very rough spring with new injuries coming through on the 4th of July. Amen to that. And those fuses, they might seem long, but sometimes it doesn't always work that way, does it, Greg? Nope. So a nice, long, long, long way to light it. Give yourself some room. (laughs) Yeah, the fuses on fireworks are like fuses on people. Some are really short, (laughs) some are long. That's right. We can't trust any of them. Good advice, Greg. Greg Miller, Sumner (laughs) County EMS Chief. We appreciate you spending the time this morning, and thanks, and everybody be safe on the 4th, okay? We appreciate you chatting with us. Thank you. All right, that's Greg Miller, and that's going to wrap up our show for this Sunday morning here on Sumner County Spotlight. Brought to you by FM Bank and MyFMBank.com and 221 Indian Lake Boulevard in Hendersonville. And we will talk to you next week. Have a great week. Sumner County Spotlight has been brought to you exclusively by FNM Bank, 221 Indian Lake Boulevard in Hendersonville. Whether you need personal banking, banking for your business, or even home mortgages, FNM Bank can provide you with excellent service right here in Sumner County. Visit them today at myfmbank.com. Sumner County Spotlight will return next Sunday at 10 a.m. Thanks for listening.